We're here today to worship the Lord, to celebrate and commemorate. Uh, they go together. This is both a memorial service. Uh, that's why they call it uh, the Lord's Supper. They call it the Eucharist. They call it uh, by a lot of different names, actually. Uh, we know it as the Lord's Supper, established by Jesus, first by celebrating Passover, and then from that realizing that Passover was just a type and foreshadow of what he did at the cross. And after the cross, they celebrated it like we're going to celebrate it here this morning. We're in the 21st century, still celebrating and commemorating what Jesus did at the cross in our behalf. We're glad you're here today to do that. Uh, it's always a very special Sunday for me. Uh, some churches do it at Christmas and Easter. Uh, we're told not how often to do it, but it kind of sets a tone to me for it when it says, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And not just him working the miracles and changing the water to wine and, and healing the leper and all of those wonderful things, but him doing the most wonderful thing of all, and that's taking our place on an old rugged cross. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And it's remembrance of him in a peculiar and particular way. The focus is on his broken body and his shed blood. That's what these tokens are all about. Nothing. This is not religious routine or ritual. It can become that. It shouldn't be that. Doug mentioned a hunger on our website because I talk a lot about spiritual hunger if you're not hungry, there's no one to feed. The Bible, I have a, I have a charge from God uh, in the scripture to feed the flock of God over whom the Lord has made you an overseer. And you're not there to be, a, as, as the scriptures put it, a Lord over God's heritage. We're here to serve and to serve soul food. But the only people that can enjoy that are people that are spiritually hungry. The Bible said, blessed are the hungry and the thirsty for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Filled with what? I'm Pentecostal. When I see filled, I just think of the Holy Ghost. Well, this will allow you to be filled with the Holy Ghost, but this is nothing to do with being filled with the Holy Ghost. The hunger is not for the Holy Ghost. The hunger is to be right with God. The hunger is for righteousness. And the word of God, the scriptures declare, is for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be fully furnished unto every good work. Then the Holy Spirit can fill us, and then the Holy Spirit can flow through us, not just flow to us. Amen. So we're in a day that uh, there's a famine in the land. Scripture declared it in the Old Covenant. It happened before the last days, but it's... Uh, uh, emphasized and actuated more in the last days. Uh, there's a famine in the land, and it's not for bread. It's not for meat. There's a famine not for the word of God. God sent the prophets early. He sent them with his word. But there's a famine for hearing. Everybody say hearing. There's a famine for hearing. And the church is in com competition now with the world. We're actually trying, because of the lack of spiritual hunger, we're competing with the world. And the world is drawing people 
because we're in a day marked by this. Men will love, and this has got to be in the church world, not the pagan world. This has got to involve Christians. Men will love pleasure more than they love God. Well, the unsaved have never loved God, never fallen in love with him. They can't fall away from him because they've never come to him. Amen? But we have. Everyone who is a Christian has. And when we love pleasure more than we love God, then we have been drawn away from him. And our flesh will continually go after that that satisfies it. But the only way you can follow Jesus in any generation, not just the last days, is to deny yourself. Take up your cross simply means to live daily the crucified life. Can you say man? But the glory of that is that you can follow Jesus. It's the only way you can follow Jesus. He says, love your enemy. My flesh says, what? <laughs> love them? Yeah, bury the hatchet. I'd like to bury it right. You know. <laughs> yeah, love your enemies. Do good. What? My flesh says, do good to them that despitefully use you. Don't seek vengeance. Vengeance is whose? Mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. You stay out of it. Jimmy hits Johnny and Johnny hits Jimmy and they both get a whooping for fighting. But if Jimmy hits Johnny and Johnny don't hit back, Jimmy gets a whooping and Johnny don't. I want to be Johnny. <laughs> Can you say man? Hallelujah. If I hold my peace. <laughs> Boy, y'all are good. This I don't even need to preach. Let's just have communion and celebrate Jesus. If I hold my peace and... Holding your peace is going to, you'll have to crucify your flesh to hold your peace. Amen. Because the tongue is a, the tongue is set on fire of hell. Right. Amen. Set on fire of hell. Amen. And full of poison. Somehow or another. What? Whoa. I'm glad we got Dr. Uh, Taylor here today. We give him an honor. Listen. With all the experience and all the study and all the preaching and all the years, he deserves an honorary doctor's degree. And if a college don't give it to him, we're going to. So as far as I'm concerned, amen, from henceforth, thou shalt be, no, I, thou shalt be known as Dr. Brother Taylor. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. My Dr. Brother. Is there a doctor in the house? Hallelujah. Yes, there is. Amen. Not just poison. Deadly poison. How many would like a little arsenic on your cereal along with your sugar and cream? No. You know why? Deadly poison. Listen, this thing has the power of life and death. We can speak life or we can speak death with this right here. And not just to others, but to our own self. Amen. I want to speak. I came to speak life to you this morning. I hope you're ready. Amen. To hear something that will challenge you and change you. It, 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 some of it is strong medicine. It's hard to be an upstream Christian in a downstream world. It's harder to go with the flow and get for, out from under the protective wings and shadow of God's wing. It's hard to kick against the pricks. This is no time to be drifting. 
with the tide. This is a time to be drawing close to God. We've been have a reoccurring theme, and the theme reoccurring, let us draw near. Let us what? Draw near. And this is the day when so many are falling away. What would happen in the last days? That day, the Antichrist being revealed, Jesus Christ coming, that day shall not come until there come. That's why this message is being reiterated and reoccurring. That day shall not come unless there is a falling away first. That is not the world. That has nothing to do with the world. That has everything to do with the church. It is the Greek word for divorce. Same situation. If I divorce my wife next week, I break my covenant with her. I, instead of staying close to her and holding her close, I fall away from her. And because iniquity shall abound because of false prophets, many false prophets, iniquity abounding in the Christian church, in the Christian life. The love of many that holds us close and causes us. You see, what's keeping my wife and I together is not the piece of paper we signed. That's a legal document. It's not even the covenant we made with them, with God initially. It's beyond that. I love her with the love of the Lord. And she loves me back with the love of the Lord. I am not Prince Charming. I know that's a big shock to all of you. <laughs> Amen. I did not whisk her away on a white steed, i.e. a Cadillac Escalade. Can you say amen? I whisked her away in a 54 Pontiac. <laughs> that broke down on our wedding night. <laughs> <laughs> and left me stranded at the sip and smack in Brandon with cold hamburgers. <laughs> Lord help us. My dad had to come with a chain and pull me in and park the Pontiac, and it cost too much to fix, and I don't know what we did, but uh, we never drove the Pontiac anymore. I know that. I know we ate cold hamburgers that night. Amen. But if you're in love and you get to be together, Hallelujah. Cold hamburgers and is good. It's good enough. That's right. So anyway, I'm just telling you that to pray with us and for us that God will send us hungry people. One of the reasons we moved is because of the falling away, the lack of interest, the lack of concern, the lack of regard and reverence for God's word. I don't study to just waste the precious seed I study to sow it but I need hearts that are hungry for it and every time people show up hungry oh man we can have a feast <laughs> what what did it say come and dine the, whoever wrote that song had this in mind come and dine the master calleth come and dine you can feast at Jesus table all the time he that fed the multitude and turned the water into wine to the hungry calleth now, come and dine. I was on the phone with Charles, who's been through several surgeries and, and been through the most some serious situations. And, oh, what a joy it was to talk with him on the phone yesterday and to hear him talk about the Lord and to be able to share the, the gospel with him again and who he is in Jesus and and what God has in store for his life. 
and how God has brought him through so very much, saved his soul. He was so penitent and repentant. He was so humble and sweet. Uh, I just wanted to hug him through the phone. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. You can just feel the love of God uh, flowing to him and flowing back from him. (sighs) We're living in that day when the love of many will wax cold. So I want to announce the theme of our communion today. Drawing nigh to the Most High. I want you to say that with me again. Drawing nigh to the Most High. And you know what? If you want to know how to draw nigh, you're doing it right now. Whatever brought you here today to worship him, to receive and honor his word, brought to you by his servant. I don't claim a whole lot of things, Brother Taylor, but I claim one thing. Without apology, I am a servant of the Most High God. And I have a, I have a charge from him to feed whoever's here. Because you are his sheep. (laughs) I've got to treat you right. (laughs) Amen. He'll get a hold of me. Amen. Feed the flock of God. Over whom the Holy Ghost has made you the overseer. Amen. Hireling fleeth when the wolf comes. But the good shepherd lays down his life for the sake of the sheep. So we've been doing that. I I told uh, someone at our pastor's meeting. There's three, four other, three other pastors, and I said, you know, I was a, I was a, a caregiver to my dad, and it didn't start when he got in his 90s. It started when I was 12 years old, when I sat on the back porch holding his hand and praying for him as he went through a nervous breakdown. And I took care of him when he'd go through depressions from that point all the way. I went with him all the way uh, to the end of the way. I was a caregiver. I said I was caregiver. I am a caregiver to my other son who has a disability, to Matthew. Uh, it's not hard, but it's there, the responsibility. He can't sow into me except loving me. Remember, after I had the stroke, we took the dog walking, and we were walking along, and, and uh, first day walking the dog again and walking again, and he was walking beside me. He kept looking at me and looking at me and looking at me. He turned around, he grabbed me, <laughs> and with tears in his eyes, said, I've been wanting to do that all, all day long. I said, well, don't want to do it. You just, anytime you get the urge, I'm right here to embrace you back. Hallelujah. And I said, I'm, I'm a caregiver to my wife after open heart surgery. Got dishpan hands to prove it. Can you say man? And then... Pastor Bob, another Bob, actually his wife is Pam too. There's a Bob and Pam Babdicostal. Oh, we've rubbed off on him. He said, I don't care if they shut the door and everybody runs off. He said, we're going to change our worship service. said, we're going to be led by the Holy Spirit. Everything's Holy Spirit now. He don't talk about hardly anything except Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We might have left some residue behind in that church. Amen. Oh, yeah. I'm serious. He said, I got on the platform. My song leader was out, and I was glad he was gone. <laughs> he, said, he said, we didn't sing the same old songs the same old way. He said, the Holy Spirit led the song service. He said, I got a black lady on the piano. said, she'll follow me. <laughs> Amen. And not follow no notes on a book. Say, oh, it's okay. You follow the Lord, too, and you can play the notes on the book and follow the Lord. He's got a doctor's degree in 
spirit-led music, praise God. I might have to appoint you. <laughs> Dr. Mike, would you? Is there, is there a doctor in the house? Hallelujah. Amen. Yes, there is. But God is good. God has put something in your heart to bring you here today. There are more entertaining churches. There are more spectacular programs occurring. One thing has marked this ministry, the Word of God. And I'm so glad to have hungry people come for the Word and come for the right reason. I believe you're going to worship for the right reason, too, because you're seeking the Lord today. So you upstream Christians in this downstream world, let's get ready to draw nigh to the Most High. Hallelujah. Brother Taylor. God is faithful, isn't it? Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you this morning for your holy word, Lord. Thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, Lord. Lord, help us to walk worthy of thee. Lord, we come this morning to worship thee in spirit and in truth, Lord. Just have your way, Lord. Let your divine will be done in us, Lord God. Help us to humble ourselves and deny ourselves and take up our cross and to follow you, Lord God. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you for salvation, how you saved our souls, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, to walk in love, to love thee above all, to love one another, to do your will. And thank you, Lord God, for communion to this day. We come to worship thee, Lord God, and to praise and to honor. You are worthy of our praise, Lord. You are more than worthy, Lord God. Help us to humble ourselves and to do your will. Bless this day. Meet every need that's present. Strengthen us. Keep us. Deliver us. Use us, Lord God, to bring glory to your name this day and every day as long as we live. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I, I, I love Brother Taylor's prayers. They're big enough for God to be glorified in the answer. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Grace flows down to you and me. God came down in Jesus Christ for you and for me. He took the initiative and drew nigh to us that we might reciprocate and draw nigh to him. One thing's for sure, he's either going to send hungry people to us or he's going to send us to hungry people. Did you hear me clearly? I said God is going to send hungry people to us because I can't feed a flock that isn't hungry. You can't. Jesus couldn't. Ho, oh, he that is hungry, let him come. And he that is a thirst, let him come. Can you say, man, that's the words of Christ. You've got to be hungry. He can't give you what you desperately need if you don't ever have an appetite for it. Can you say, man, my body... A lot of people turned back and wouldn't follow him anymore after he said this. They didn't understand spiritual fellowship. Amen. They didn't understand spiritual things. My body is meat indeed. And my blood is drink indeed. And if you don't eat of my body and drink of my blood, we're going to take the tokens of that spiritual fellowship partaking in just a few moments. Oh, okay. Sister Allison, 
You're a brave woman. We're going to dub you Dr. Allison. (laughs) Doctor's degree in, in taking the kids where they can have something on their level and not be squirmy. Uh, and that'll help us, right? Amen. So I'm going to say it again. God is either going to send hungry people to us or he's going to send us to hungry people. There's no doubt in my mind it's coming. And this sifting is to show that up in glaring, clear. Everybody here knows. I don't have to, I don't have to point fingers, name names. It's clear. It's clear. Hunger and thirst for righteousness will bring you to where you are right now. Can you say amen to be instructed in righteousness? And to be right with God. Forsake not the assembling of yourself together as the manner of some is. It used to be some, now it's many. So it's a whole different day. So anyway, moving past that to the good stuff. Look at somebody and say, we need some good stuff. In fact, tell them we need some good news bad. All right. Praise God. Here it comes. This is the good news. Everybody say drawing high to the most high. high high. I'm going to go quickly. How many can read quickly? How many want some time in the word before we could have communion right now and say, I've been to church. I've been celebrating my salvation and my savior. But God has a message for those who are caught up in the last day. The falling away, the great falling away, that great falling away will occur at its climax and pinnacle during the great tribulation. But Jesus talked about the forerunner of these things. He talked about things that we would see that the end is not yet, but it would signify that the end is near. And the things that we preach for years that people are dull of hearing are things that didn't happen, and now they're not even looking for His coming. Actually, they're, they're, where is the sign of His coming? You said the wars and rumors. You said the the perplexity of of nations. You said that all of these things are going to occur. And 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 we had those mighty wars. We've had the rumors of wars, and he hasn't got earthquakes in diverse places. We, he's coming as soon. There's an earthquake here. There's an earthquake there. And they don't understand the prophetic word. In fact, Jesus said, "The end is not yet." We run because we want to get people in the ark of safety. He said, "But it's not yet." You're running with a premature message, but now things have changed. He said, these things that you see that are precursors and forerunners, these are the beginning of sorrows. And the word sorrows is not the English word that we commonly think of as being broken hearted and and broken inside and crushed in spirit. No, This word is birth pangs in the Greek. We talked about that. You were with your mother giving birth? So you know about birth pangs, labor pains, labor pangs, P-A-N-G-S, the contractions that are coming. And she just shivered. (laughs) Amen. She said, when you get married, you want kids? (laughs) 
<laughs> she said, right now, while you're talking about all that stuff, no, <laughs> no. Yeah, I want to adopt three of them and, and get a nanny to raise them, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Birth pangs. The beginning of sorrows means birth pangs. And if you went to a hospital with contractions, the first thing they would ask you before they try to see how far you've dilated and all of that, how close are they together? So what would mark the last of the last days is earthquakes in divers places, wars and rumors. They've, we've had that through the history of man. But they would come closer together with more consistency. As we near the end, see the whole earth is groaning. The very earth itself is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Can you say amen? I don't know fully the mystery of that, but I do know, amen, that, that conditions spiritually affect conditions physically and materially. And the whole earth is beginning to shake and shudder. It should. It should. Because of the carnage, the hate, the killing, the innocent blood. There's a senator right now that's on record as saying that they want our congressmen, that they, 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 want, they don't just want late term abortion. They want to be able to abort that child the, after it's born immediately after birth. It's not good enough. They want to kill the child. Mother Teresa stood, and I'm not into her doctrine, her, her group of, of, of organized religion, but you've got to hand it to the lady. She had gumption, and she had conviction, and she did a lot of good works. Won't save you, but... It's something that we should emulate when it's the right thing, the love and the compassion. She stood, when she came to America, she stood before congressmen, the president and his wife, and, and all of those dignitaries in Washington, D.C., and she made this statement. You wonder why your murder rate in the most educated, sophisticated country in the world, your murder rate is higher than the, any of those terrible nations in the world. You wonder why your cities are flowing red with the blood of people who are being killed, and you can't seem to curb it. She said, when all the innocent, she's talking about the abortion mills, when all of the innocent blood is being shed, in America, then you're being rewarded. You see, the Bible said in the book of Revelation, when the water turns to blood, the, the angel said this, said, that's, a, that's a righteous judgment. Because of all of the murder, all of the bloodshed, blood speaks. Blood, the blood of Jesus speaks of better things than that of bulls and goats, and better than that of Abel, his sacrifice. But the blood speaks the blood of Abel that Cain slew because he was jealous of God's favor because he offered a blood sacrifice rather than a grain sacrifice. And the blood 
of Abel cried from the ground for justice. It's the blood of thy brother. He came, he came to Cain and said, where's your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? said, the blood of your brother cries for justice. All of that accumulating cry for justice. Something's happening in the book of Revelation. It said, underneath the throne, so close to God, right there in His, in His personal presence, the throne, it's not just in heaven somewhere, but right under the throne of God are those who have shed their blood, martyrs for the sake of the gospel. And they cry unto God. It's not because they want vengeance. It's because God is a God of justice. And they cry day and night for God to judge them that shed that blood. It's not them saying, get them, God. It's their blood speaking to Him. These are innocent. They carried my word. They killed them for it. And that's why the angel said they've shed the blood of the innocent. They're blood thirsty. They're blood thirsty. So the water turning to blood, let them drink blood instead of water because they're a blood thirsty, murderous, conscienceless people. That's serious. This is serious what we're doing today. Why so serious? Because the cup of his indignation is filling up. And the Bible said when it is full, he will pour out his wrath. And the Bible said in the book of Revelation, the great men, the small men, the rich men, the poor men, they cried when they saw Jesus. They cried to the rocks and the mountains. Fall upon us. Hide us from the face of Him that sits upon the throne. And this sounds like an oxymoron. This sounds like a contradiction, a paradox. And from the wrath of the Lamb. And from the wrath of the Lamb. You know what God said? Because my son was sent, he was rejected, his blood was trodden underfoot. He is going to judge the earth. All the judgment has been committed to him. Not only is salvation his and his alone, but so is judgment. And the Bible said when he comes, if you're not saved, when he comes to judge the earth, all the earth said every eye is going to see him. Everybody's. We've got the satellite system in place. An event can occur anywhere in the world and be on your TV and everybody's got one. And your cell phone and everybody's got one. They'll all see him. And instead of welcoming him, they will mourn because of him. Why? Because he that they did not receive as Savior has now come as their judge. And when they see him as their judge... The Bible said his eyes are a flame of fire. That's not x-ray vision like Superman. The actual Greek word is fiery indignation. You see, the sweet Jesus that allowed them to put him on the cross is not the Christ. He is still sweet. 
but you're going to meet him. I'm going to meet him as my sovereign and my savior, my Lord and savior, or I'm going to face him as my judge. He's coming back again, never to be put on a cross again, spit upon again, beaten again. He's not coming back to be ridiculed and scorned. He's coming back to declare himself what he has earned. Hallelujah, King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. He's not coming back on a donkey riding into Jerusalem to lay himself on a cross. He's coming back as the reigning, ruling, victorious King of kings and Lord of lords. And his hair is as wool. If you go to Britain today, the people, the judges put on a wig and it's wool, white wool looking wig representing the righteous judge. He's the righteous judge. He's the only one that has the right to judge because he's the only one that never sinned. He that's without sin dropped the stone. Jesus does not have to drop it. Thank God there was grace given to that woman. Jesus came to redeem people. But there's a day he's not coming to redeem. He's coming without sin. You know what that means? Not that he's sinless. It means he's not coming to judge sin. He's coming for us in the rapture. But when he comes back with us, he's coming to judge sin and sinners. And the whole world will mourn. Because the Jesus, they said, doesn't exist. The God, they says doesn't exist. The Bible, they says is not true. Suddenly, it will dawn upon them. He's real. It's real. Heaven's real. Hell's real. And I'm lost. And He's not coming to save them. I said He's not coming again to this earth to save them. He's coming to judge them. If I were you, I would never. And I'm going to quote this in this message. It's in my my radio messages many times over. It's in the messages that we have on the website that few people listen to, to be honest about it anymore. Listen to me carefully. The hunger isn't there. The hunger is not there. So God either send us hungry people. You said it right. People are fickle. Christians ought to never be fickle. We should never be vacillating. We should never be halt between two opinions. We should never find ourselves in the valley of decision. We should be committed and convinced and following Jesus closer than we've ever followed Him before because the coming of the Lord is closer than it's ever been before. Can you say amen? Amen. If it wasn't for this fire, shut up in my bones. I would be like Timothy. I would want to lay this thing down and say, go be entertained on Sunday. There's a church that will accommodate you. Go and be, go and be entertained by the choir. Go and get in all the programs that are offered you. But if you hear a word from the Lord, it will challenge you. It will change you. And there is a message. Is this the day? To go after gold and apparel, the predominant message in the Pentecostal movement has changed from the soon coming of Jesus and the getting ready. Sanctification and holiness is out the window. Self-sacrifice is gone. Self-serving, self-exaltation, and self-seeking is here. So we don't have true disciples. They come in to get rich. They come in to get healed. Who wouldn't? 
God blesses us with material things. Jesus heals today. I'm a, but I don't come to the cross just to get money and healing. I come to get my sin forgiven. I come to be saved. And if He never healed my body, but my eternal soul is saved, I would praise Him. Not only here, but throughout all of eternity. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 So listen carefully. Psalm 73 says, For they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou shalt destroy all those that go a-whoring from thee. This is to covenant people. The world is not responsible for that. They can't go a-whoring from him. They can't commit spiritual adultery. It's impossible. They were never married to him by covenant. He called Israel his wife. He calls us his bride-to-be. Can you say, man? And we will be. What kind of supper are we going to eat with him? The marriage supper of the Lamb. Praise God. Hallelujah. Listen to this again. Am I in the right place? Psalm 73. Did I give you a verse? Can you find one? I <laughs> didn't write it down. 27 and 28. Will that help you? Dr. Doug has just given us a... <laughs> i tell you, is there a doctor in the house? Help me preach. Is that correct? 27 and 28. Psalm 73, 27 and 28. Listen to it. For lo, they are far from thee. They that are far from thee. See, the call of God is always come back to me. Draw nigh to me. Return to me. But they that refuse that call, repentance is doing a 180 degree turn. It's not just... You know, shedding some alligator tears. Godly sorrow leads you to repentance, but it's not repentance. You can't just repent in your heart without turning around in your life. It can't be a private, personal, little secret repentance. If you're on the wrong road, it's like a cul-de-sac. You know what a cul-de-sac is? You go in, but you've got to turn around and head the other way to get out. Can you say amen? Amen. You can go in there and turn around, but you can't keep going. Amen. Repentance is turning around. If we're on the wrong road and we see there's a way that seemeth right, but the end thereof is the way of destruction. Honey, it's time to turn around. I don't, I don't know how a negative spin got put on repentance. If you've got values, do not match what the kingdom has, has conveyed to you. It's time that you turn around. There are people going right on, head on, hard-headed. You know why they're hard-headed? Because their heart has become hardened. Their ears have become dull of hearing. What Jesus said is not the rule of their life. The culture is beginning to shape their value system. The flesh. Their belly is their God. And it's not about being hungry. My wife walked by me the other day and she heard my belly growling. She said, honey, are you hungry? I said, have you ever had your teeth cleaned? My belly, you know, a dentist, I clean them a different way now. I don't have to pay that. But anyway, moving right along. I won't tell anymore. Some things are better not tell. Can you say amen? When I, <laughs> they used to call them Robux because you could buy them from Sears and Robux. Patty got all excited when I got my plate. 
She said, what if Brother Venable really gets preaching like he preaches and they come out? I don't know what Pamela told her, but by the help and grace of God, they never came out. It's always the first time. But, Cherie, will you catch them? <laughs> she says, ooh, <laughs> I don't think so. I think they'd go like this. I think they'd go, oh, oh, and then go right on. I think I could catch them. They're not coming out. Why, why are you saying all of that? This is serious stuff, but I'm glad you're here. I'm preaching to the hungry. I'm preaching to the hungry. But there's a whole lot of people. And they'll hit church here. They'll hit a little meeting there. But they're not hungry. The world will win every time. The kingdom will lose every time. Until they get hungry and thirsty. And God can fill them. But when God can fill us with righteousness, what happens? We become a living, breathing witness for Him without saying a word. Can you say amen? Because our values are kingdom values. Seek ye what? First, the kingdom. This is not a, a formula to get stuff. This is a principle where God will give you everything you need materially and physically. But he'll give you more than that. He will give you a standing with himself called his favor. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Israel was drifting from God. They were drifting. They were beginning to compromise, make concessions. They were beginning to worship other gods. And they were drifting away. And they were, as, listen, he said, my ear's not heavy that I can't hear. I'm a prayer answering God. I keep my covenant. Can you say man? My hand is not short. You're not seeing God move. You're not seeing deliverance come. You're not seeing God come through and answer prayer. He said there's a reason for it. And there's an antidote for it. Your sins have separated. Come on. That's why they were far off. Their sins had separated them. But if they would repent of their sins, he said, return to me. Come on. You're in a cul-de-sac Turn around. Don't sit there and let your engine idle. You can't go. You got to go somewhere. You got to turn around and come back to God. Get close to God. The Bible says we're to cleave to Him. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. Seek the Lord till He come and reign what? What we're hungry for? And reign righteousness. Revival begins not when God sends it, but when we're hungry enough to get filled with what will cause it. And that's righteousness. Reign righteousness on us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. Let your light so shine before men. They see your good works. This is not about benevolence. This is not about the poor. This is not about even missionary work. This is about following a different value system than the world. When your works represent a different kingdom. Because you serve a different king. Can you say man? People will sit up and take notice. They know. They know. When I was. I'm glad I was bivocational. Because you can keep kingdom principles and work for the man. Not just any man. There are people that will come down on you. Amen. You, oh, you don't need to be in church. Yeah, you do. Now more than ever, forsake not. Why do you not forsake assembling together? Forsake not the assembling of yourself together. 
we can get an offering, so we can have a number count, so we can fill a building. No. Forsake not the assembling of yourself together as the manner of some is, but much more as you see the day approaching. Can you say, man, it proves to me we are out of touch prophetically. We do not understand the times. Can you say, man, hallelujah. You remember when 9-11 occurred all that time ago now? What happened? What happened right after 9-11? Suddenly, people said, something's up. They didn't realize it, but a hedge was down for a season. It should have stimulated a mighty revival in America. It did not. They ran to God for safety until they found out they were safe without Him. And it was back to business as usual. Churches were filled to capacity One week after 9-11, because we didn't know when or what else was coming. And we didn't trust our government to protect us from it. But we do now. We do now. How do you know? Because of so many people. And this is the Gallup poll. And this is the Barna poll. Amen. Churches, without a big entertainment, without promising riches, without promising wealth, without promising opulence, you're hard-pressed to get people to church because of the old rugged cross and the Christ who died for us. Hard to stimulate devotion because our devotion is really to ourselves. We follow Him for the fish and loaves. We follow Him for the best wine. We follow Him for the miracles. And there's no self-denial in that. And no one will ever crucify the flesh as long as the flesh is being pampered and accommodated. We're living in a pablum-fed church age. It is not producing missionaries willing to lay down their life. It's not producing Christians willing to lay down their life so that his life can be seen through them. Our values begin to match the culture. And that means the culture is affecting the church more than the church is affecting the culture. A little leaven. Don't take a lot of it when we accommodate it. A little leaven will do what? Leaven the whole lump. I want righteous leaven. I'd rather have a few people with righteous leaven than a whole bunch of people that the culture is shaping. And we are accommodating that by leaving out Doug said it, and I appreciate it. It was an encouragement to me. I'm going to do it anyway, but I need the encouragement. Doug said that you're bringing scriptures you don't hear in, in your everyday church service, even in Pentecostal circles. You're challenging people with scriptures that are in the Bible, but is not being brought to the forefront. Forsake not the assembling of yourself together as the manner of some is but much more as you see the day approaching. Listen, why? Exhorting one another. Exhortation. Strongly encouraging one another. Lift up the hands that hang down. Strengthen the feeble knee, lest it be turned out of the way. It's, it, really, let me put it in, in the context, in the Greek. It is strongly encouraging one another in right living. The Bible doesn't just speak of the righteous, but in the actual Hebrew, the uncompromisingly righteous. People with strong convictions. People that will bow to no other God. 
Hallelujah. But we'll bow to the true and the living God. And how did they bow? With such deep devotion and reverence. It said they bowed with their foreheads touching the ground. Many people don't even bow their head to say grace. We've turned it into a little cute thing. Food's supposed to be sanctified by the word and prayer. Prayer is serious. Sanctification is serious. God's serious about it. We defile the body. God said, you don't have to worry about the devil. Defile the body. Keep it up, he says. You don't have to worry about the devil. God is going to send the judgment. Your body's the temple of the Lord. You can't treat it in just like the world treats theirs. And I can't t- treat mine that way. Oh, you can. God said he's going to judge you for that. They came to communion services And because their belly was their God and they didn't have a heart of true devotion, they brought lunches. They didn't want to celebrate his death. They wanted to feed their flesh. They brought big lunches. They brought bottles of alcoholic wine. Surfeiting and drunkenness marked what was supposed to be a holy, reverential, And he said, Paul said, for this cause, because it's not, listen, we're going to receive communion minute and nobody is worthy of the blood that is represented in this room. That's the glory of the gospel. But everyone in this room that has received Jesus is worthy through the blood. Can you say, man, hallelujah, praise God for that acceptance we have in him through the shed blood of Jesus. Glory to the Lamb. Anyone that partakes of this unworthily, that means without the due reverence. We know a lady that went to one of these churches and they're out there. They're compromised. They're they're having holy conclaves and there's nothing holy about it. It's demonic. They're inviting what God says is an abomination into the church ratifying it to the church, by the church, putting people involved in it, in the leadership of the church, accommodating the sin that God said would damn your soul in the name of love. That's not love. That's not love. If you let your kid play in the street where there's dump trucks and garbage trucks and people speeding and people on drugs, and you're letting them just play in the street because you love them and you don't want to tell them you can't do that. And you certainly, most certainly, don't want to punish them. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you what was done to me. <laughs> Amen. My mama loved me. My mama loved me. She'd get down on her knees and hug me. Oh, yeah. But she loved me in another way. She chastened me when I was ugly and wrong and hard-headed. I was punished when I did wrong. Oh, by the way, God punishes his children. Well, he don't punish me. Well, then you're not his child. I'm going to tell you flat out. You're a bastard and not a son. You can't claim a heavenly father because he doesn't acknowledge you. And that's what's going to be the tipping point at the judgment. Many are going to call him Lord. He said, I don't know you. You can mouth that all day long, but I do not know you. And honey, we better know that he knows us, not just declare that we know him. 
Amen. I know he knows me. He's got to know me. Hallelujah. He's become my heavenly father through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Listen to me. This is powerful stuff. This is needed. We need to exhort one another every single day. Forsake not the assembling for the... I'm going to exhort you and then you need to exhort each other. Can you say, man, I need to exhort my wife. She needs to exhort me. I need to exhort those preachers I meet with and they need to exhort me. They want me to have a good relationship with my wife. One of them, he doesn't meet with us, but he's, he's a card. He's a character. God chooses cards and characters. Amen. Sometimes. Not dignified people like Brother Taylor all the time. Sometimes he chooses a Brother Venable. Can you say amen? But he said we asked appointed questions. He was demonstrating what happens at the table when we exhort one another. Amen. Because we talk about being right with God. Not just programs and churches and theologies and dogmas and creeds. We talk about being vertical, right with God. And we talk about loving our wives and loving our children and loving our congregation. Amen. He said, I come to the table and I ask my brethren, have you taken your wife out to dinner this week? They acknowledge yea or nay. Then he says, have you taken anybody else's wife out to dinner? It's tongue in cheek, but there ought to be a challenge. Because who does the preacher answer to when he's not fearing God anymore? Can you say, man, who does he account to? We try to have accountability and responsibility. And in Pentecost, it's hard because a lot of people are so led to the spirit. They get up and. Where do I go today? Oh, they're interpreting dreams over here. I had one last night. I also had a big burrito, but that had nothing to do with it. There's got to be a spiritual interpretation. Can you say amen? Over here, they're calling people out and telling them their address. And how did they know that? God knows my address. Well, duh. He knows the number of hair on your head too, but you don't have to know. It's not going to benefit you. It just proves how... Intimate he is with you, but people run after this, and they run after that, and they run after this. No responsibility, no accountability. Boy, I hit a nerve last week. I said, you've got to be submitted. If you're a biblical Christian, you're following Jesus. Submit is the key to it all. And not just submit to God. You can't risk the devil until you do. Wives, submit to your own husbands. In a sense, I submit to her because she's not only my wife, she's my sister in Christ. And if she sees something that's biblically incorrect, she has the right and the responsibility. I don't know if you realize it or not. I don't just have the right today. I have the responsibility to teach you. I'm going to account to God for you. I ain't going to have no blood on my hands. If you go the wrong way and the enemy destroys you, it won't because Brother V didn't tell you the truth. Somebody say a hearty amen this morning. It's on you, darling. Soon as I'm done, it's off of me. The onus is going to be on us after the word has come forth. Onus is a forensic term, a courtroom term for the responsibility for whatever it is. Amen. I can't make you love him. I can't make you serve him. 
but I can preach a Christ that's worth your love and worth your service. And I can challenge you not to go with the flow because the flow is away from God. And all those that are far off, he will destroy in judgment because they haven't come near to be forgiven. And all they had to do was draw nigh. He said, I am ready to forgive. I am ready to reconcile. But you got to come. The prodigal son had to come home to be restored. He couldn't be saved without repentance. I said something and shook it up. I've never got nobody to lean on. I don't lean on people now. When I preach the word, I feel his favor. But I feel responsibility and accountability. There is. I'm I'm on record. I will not budge. Amen. There is no salvation without repentance. You cannot. You cannot. Jesus said you cannot serve two masters. You can't do it. But the church is so desperate for people to build their their edifices and pay their salaries. They tell you you can in many circles. God says you can't. And so many people have bought into that. These are the many that think they're saved. These are the many that think they're going to heaven because they're told they are every Sunday without repentance, without conviction. And they'll say to him what was said to them. Jesus is now your Lord. Oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, really? Salvation is just getting a free ticket to heaven. It doesn't involve turning around. Paul was sent to turn them from darkness to light. To turn them from the devil to God. Come out from among them. Be ye who you are, separate, saith the Lord, and I will receive you, but I won't until you do. I can't until you do, but I will if you will. Come out from among them. What's he talking about? Don't go with the flow. Don't go with the culture, not even the culture that's invaded the church. Don't look at that brother or that sister. Look at Jesus and say, Rick, what is it? If, if, my, if my brother don't go, won't hinder me. If my sister don't go, won't hinder me. If my daddy don't go, won't hinder me. If my mama don't go, husband, wife. If you love husband, wife, house, land, sister, brother, more than him, you simply, I simply, I'm not worthy of what we're about to partake of. We have divided loyalties. The blood that bought us has not brought our devotion toward him. And we're in the last day. The falling away is here. Preachers don't preach with passion. They don't preach with a sense of urgency. The people are untouched and unmoved and go and live in their sin. Oh, I'm so glad when God changes people. When hungry people receive it, when they come back to him. You know, our time is is fleeting. It's time to receive communion. Let me read you one scripture. For lo, they, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all those that go a-whoring from thee. What a word in the King James. In the King James. It's softened in the other translations. It's not softened in the King James. 
And if you think that's harsh, is it James 4, 4 in the New Testament? Is that it? I don't know if that's it. Anyway, draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. But in the book of James, it said, you, but you adulterers, what? In, he's got to be talking to the church. You can't commit adultery unless you're married. You commit fornication all day long. But you can't commit adultery unless you're married. You're breaking, you've got to break a covenant. Amen. Don't you know, he said, haven't you figured it out, that friendship with the world? Going with the flow. Say it with me. Going with the flow. Is enmity. It's not just an enemy yet. It's enmity. It's a sin that breaks fellowship with God. New Testament. New covenant. And what does he call us when we do that? You adulterers and adulteresses, men and women. Who go with the flow. Know ye not. Know ye not. That if you love the world. You make yourself the enemy of God. Because the world hates him. The world despises the blood of Jesus. Despises the followers of Jesus. You can't keep embracing it. And accommodating it. And be a follower of Christ. At the same time. You're in a cul-de-sac. you got to sit in it or you got to turn around and head back home and draw near to him so he can draw near to you. Can you say, man, how many feel the pull of the world? You know it's there. It's everywhere. It's in the media. Your flesh goes after it. Your flesh is hungry for the things of the flesh, but your spirit is entirely different. Your spirit should be hungry for the things of the Lord. Amen. When I get done preaching, there's a race to get to whatever we're going to. A race! Hurry up! I've had all of this preaching I can take. All this teaching I can stand. I know God is grieved because it hurts me and He's in me. You know what today is called? The whole day... Sun up to sundown. What is this day? What did they set it aside for? What I'm not talking about the Old Testament Sabbath. I'm talking about setting aside a day when we mark ourselves as His children and Him as our Heavenly Father. Amen. This is that day. This is that day. Come together to worship me. They said, we don't have to have an Old Testament Sabbath. We're going to celebrate the day that he rose. Can you say amen? We're going to set it aside. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. We're going to worship our God. We're going to serve no other God. We're not going to fall away from him. We're going to keep drawing closer to him. Man, when I first got saved, I was so hungry. I was so thirsty. I wanted to be in God's house with God's people, hearing God's word and worshiping God with them. I couldn't wait to get to church. We had three-hour services. You can tell I'm a veteran of all of that. Amen. We had three-hour services, and we wanted more. We left there wanting more. Church would get over beside Highway 574 across from the Strawberry Festival in Plant City. 
we would walk outside the church. Dozen of us would hang out, start praying for one another, and we had people falling out in the spirit in the grass in front of the church after the service was over. Right now you pray the dismissal prayer, you look up and you think the rapture's taking place. Did I miss it? Give the benediction and zoom! We're in a hurry. We want what we need, but we want it to be convenient to us. And the church is bending over backwards to make it that way. And you can't follow Christ out of convenience. It requires a radical, deep commitment and a death to self. In a day when men will love pleasure more than God, the culture will suck you into that and your flesh is ready to go along with it. Let's play church. Let's play religious games. But I want God, Johnny on the spot when I have a need. I want God to show up and show out when I have any need at all. He's become a Kris Kringle rather than the Lord and Savior King that he is. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all those that go a-whoring from thee. Here's, the, here's this personal thing. Psalm 73 is a psalm of Asaph, not David. Listen to what Asaph says, but it's good for me to draw near to God. Amen. They, they, this is not between you and them and him. This is between you and him. They go a whoring. New Testament doesn't change the language nor the verbiage. He said, when you do that, you're an adulterer. You're an adulteress spiritually. Love not the world. Neither the, I'm talking about the culture. I'm talking about the mores and morals, the standards, the values of this world. Neither the things that are in it. For if any man, you can sit in a church pew, talk about, you can talk in tongues. It's not about tongues or sitting at church every now and then. It's about turning around and coming back to where we're supposed to be in God. Getting right with God is what it's all about. And we're reluctant. I love the humility of Charles. I'm going to tell you something he said. He said it three times and I had to try to get him back into the grace that's flowing to him. He said, Pastor Venable, thank you so much for praying for me. I want you to listen up carefully. He said, it's a shame that it takes something like this to get us to seek God. To come near to God again. And my question to you is today. What is it going to take? When. Will that turnaround. Occur. What's it going to take. To take time. For the word. To draw near to him. By seeking him. 
by rejecting the values of this world and walking in a kingdom principled life to quit playing church to examine their heart and see why it has drifted and how far it has drifted and what in heaven's name are we going to do about it Joshua said if the gods of your fathers that you served on the other side of the river are the true gods go and serve them Go and serve them. Serve the God. But listen, call on that God. That that you've made God in the day of trouble. I can't afford that. I've got to have the true and living God in the day of trouble. I've got to draw nigh to Him so He can. I can dwell where? So close that I'm under the shadow of His wing. What did Jesus say? Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you don't have to be destroyed. You don't have to perish. I rose up early and sent my prophets unto you. You killed them and rejected my word. But how many times, if you would just draw near, how many times would I have taken you other my wing like a mother hen does her chicks, but you would not. And there's nothing left but the judgment that swept over Amen. That place. Simply because people have drawn so far away, it's going to take something. I thought it was 9-11. Many preachers thought it was 9-11. That would stimulate us as nationally. The church in particular. And maybe parts of the world if they saw the church seeking Him again. But as soon as the threat passed, we went right back. I remember, I remember to this day, Billy Graham's daughter sitting on CBS television being interviewed after 9-11. The interviewer wanted to nail her, nail her. And he asked her, he said, where was God? Where was God? I was sitting in Sears Roebuck getting tires put on my car, watching TV with a room full of people waiting on maintenance for their automobiles. The little TV turned up interested in that conversation. Where was God? She says, you can't push him out of the school system and deny even praying for Christians that go. You can't push him out of our colleges. You can't push his commandments out of our courtroom. You can't keep pushing God away in our culture and then ask him why he didn't protect us when the trouble comes. I'm going to say to the church of Jesus Christ and to Christians, you can't keep pushing back, pushing him away. It's time to draw near. How many agree? How many want to dwell under the shadow of the Almighty? Amen. Hallelujah. Psalm 91 is mine because that's where I'm living. Hallelujah. I said, that's where I'm living. That's where I'm living. That's where I'm living. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Because thou, it gets personal. But as for me, I'm going to draw near to God. They're going to keep going that way. They're going to be destroyed, but I'm not going with the flow. Hallelujah. I'm going to stomp my foot like I did that day when the glory swept over the audience. Praise God. 
Joshua said, if, if, that's, if, if that's your God, make that your God. Worship that as your God. Admit you're into idolatry and ask your idol for help when the trouble comes. But if the Lord is God, if He's God, serve Him. Don't mouth the words. Serve Him as God. If it seemed good to you to do what you're doing, far off, bowing to other gods, go do it. That's your prerogative. God gave you a free will. That's your right. But it's for me and my house. You've got to get a me and my house attitude. And you've got to have enough influence in your house. Amen. Because there's a lot of people who have no influence in their house. Because they've compromised so much, their kids don't even see the value of his house. Amen? And where do you think that's going to end up? I've watched it for 45 years. I've watched the destroyer come because people are not dwelling under the shadow of his wing. Because if they were, he couldn't touch them. Because thou, everybody say it gets personal. Has made the Lord thy God thy habitation. And everybody say drawing near now. Hallelujah. And under his wings thou art come to trust. Thou shalt not be afraid of the arrow that flieth by day. Why? Because the shield of faith does what? It quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked one in the new covenant. Thou shalt not be afraid of the pestilence that waste at noonday. <laughs> Thou shalt not be afraid of the plague, and the plague is alive and will and, and operating in many countries, so it shall not come nigh your dwelling. Amen. Woo, it gets personal and makes me shout and happy. A thousand shall fall at thy side. They that are far from him will be destroyed. Ten thousand shall fall at thy right hand. But you're dwelling where? Where are you dwelling? Where are you dwelling? Get yourself, exempt yourself from all the statistics on the web. Can you say, man, forget your genealogy. Amen. I'm a candidate for cancer. No, you're a candidate for healing. Can you say, man, hallelujah. Glory to God. I had a lady tell me in church, we got to go. How many minutes you got left? Five? Let's, let's hurry. We got to go. We got, I, I wasn't talking about you having to go. I said you had to go. You're not raptured. I know you're not raptured. <laughs> Listen to me. You're hungry. You wouldn't be here. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for helping me. I've had to learn to do it with or without help. I've had to learn to do it with or without help. I've had to learn to do it because God is with me and God is for me. And there's a message branded in my soul. You say, well, that's an evangelistic message. Yes, and we need an evangelistic message to the church of Jesus Christ, not just to other nations. We need a revival in America. We don't need pablum on Sunday morning. We don't need a pat on the head. We need a kick in the between the pockets. Thank you for the hearty amens. I thought that was pretty neat the way I segued right out of what you were thinking to. Amen. You know, I don't want to kick nobody in between the pockets. We need to kick ourselves sometime. Uh, 
I would if I could, but I, as far as I can get. Would you kick me, please? You wouldn't, would you? Okay. <laughs> just checking, Mike. Just checking your commitment to your old pastor. How many is this message resonating with your heart, your soul? How many believe the church of Jesus Christ needs it in every Christian? Because if you go with the flow, it'll take you far from him. But if you go against the grain, you'll get close to him. Hallelujah. 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 And now is no time to be drifting far from him. Now is the time to draw near. Let us draw near. Can you say amen? The veil is rent. The ransom has been paid. God is waiting with open arms. At the end of our broadcast, on many of the occasions when we made the invitation, I would say to those listening, don't keep running from God. Run to Him. He's waiting with open arms. And I'm going to say to the saved, the people in church today, and Christians, don't keep drifting away from God. Run to Him. The name of the Lord is a place of safety and security. The righteous what? They just hang out with the world. They just get out there, out from under the covering of his wings. They live their life like that until something happens. And I don't want to see it. There's a better way. We can, we can bow to him right now. We don't have to wait till an emergency room. We don't have to wait for a cancer diagnosis. We don't have to wait for a car wreck. We don't have to wait for that. What do you think the devil's going to do? Out from under his covering. He walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. i got to say this. We're almost done. A good shepherd in Africa has a corral for his sheep. He puts them in it. He leads them out to pasture, protects them, brings them back into that corral. As long as they stay within the perimeters of that corral, they are safe. The lion knows that that shepherd will defend them to the death. And he doesn't dare try to take a sheep out of the corral. Today, they've got carbine rifles with scopes. They've got dogs that bark. But the lion is very crafty. He don't want to deal with that shepherd who might kill him or hurt him. He finds out which way the wind is blowing. He goes to a high place and he urinates purposely so that the scent of the urine is brought into the corral. And in their fear and panic, because lions are near, he doesn't roar yet. He doesn't want to give himself away. He just wants them to get out of the corral. Because the moment they do, they're not in the care of the shepherd. And when the, you think you're being corralled by being expected to be in God's house, you think you're being somehow encroached upon because 
You're expected to be at Bible studies. You're expected to be at worship services. You're expected to associate with your brethren for the purpose of exhorting one another. There are people actually think that puts me in a box. That doesn't fit in with my agenda. That's why we need to turn around. People are drifting. How do you know? Because the world takes precedence. Every time a decision is to be made, the world takes precedence. And what's going to happen? What's going to happen? The lion is waiting. He said, I can't devour them, those sheep in that corral. They're being defended. Ever heard somebody, somebody said it today, how are you? Highly favored and well defended. Highly favored and wonderfully blessed. I can't, I can't live like that. I've never lived like that. And I'm not going to preach that it's okay to live like that. Because I would aid and abet the devil. He's not using panic and fear on Christians. He's using the lack of fear. Sheep that decide. In spite of the danger outside. To go outside the confines of God's word and God's will. And to live their life as if there is no devil that wants to hurt them and no God. He'll show up if I ever need him. He'll show up if I ever need him. I'll call Brother Venable, church of pray, I'll be fine. No, you won't. This is not between us anymore when you get in that state. This is between that person and God. If you're wrong with God, I can't make you right with God. And he can't bless you until you are. Charles was so sweet and so penitent and so repentant. I had to convince him God loved him and forgiven him. I said, Charles, it's okay. He said, I'm sorry that it took this. I'm sorry it took this. And, and I said, I'm kind of glad. I said, God's glad to have you back. God's glad to have you home, not even back. He, he came to Christ. I led him to Jesus Christ. Honey, I'd rather lead him to Christ than pet a church until Jesus comes. I'm not here to pet a church. I'm here to challenge people. How many want to dwell under the shadow of the Almighty? Pick up Time magazine, read about plagues and pestilence and, and, and drug-resistant diseases and infections that antibiotics can't address anymore and, and all these outbreaks, and you're saying, wait a minute, I can exempt myself from that. I'm dwelling under the shadow of the Almighty. Hallelujah. I don't just go there when trouble comes. I live there. <laughs> Hallelujah. I live under the shadow. So when I need protecting, that wing comes down. Praise God to cover me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Are you challenged today? Amen. Is there any challenge? Do you think any changes can be made? I want you to pray with me this prayer. Because I'm going to pray it whether you pray or not. But I'd love to have you in a team, team prayer. God, either send us hungry people. Like yourself. Look at somebody and say, like you. Come on, that's a compliment. Or send us. Uh, I don't like to brag on me, but I do value this ministry more than a lot of people do. 
I value the word. He's esteemed it higher and above his own name. And his name is above every name that's named. But he said, I put my word above it. I put a premium. Can you say, man, how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall he go? What shall he preach? Listen to me. Preach the word. This is too good to waste. It's not wasted on you, but it's wasted on people that really don't care about it. It's wasted. You know what God told me? Can you read that in the scripture? Cast not your pearl where? Where people don't appreciate it, don't care about it, don't want it. It don't make a bit of difference in the world. Cast not. Don't expect a swine to come up and nuzzle you for giving it a pearl. Because it doesn't have any appreciation of that precious jewel. In fact, time will come when that thing, because you didn't give it what it wanted, which is slop on Sunday, can you say, man, he'll turn and rend you. Come on. Sheep are passive, but they bite. Can you say, man, listen to me carefully. What's going to happen? And what makes me heart sick And the many times I've wanted to retire from pastoral ministry, evangelistic, I preach to the crowd. I don't know what you're going to do with it. Looks like you're going to run with it. I assume you did. And I go and go home and eat pizza and have a good night. But when you pastor a church, you know what people do with it. You see what difference it makes or what difference it does not make. And you have to Watch what's coming because you know what's coming. When the sheep get out of his pasture, the lion comes. He says, There's no shepherd to protect them. Now I can take that sheep because I'm not taking it out of the flock. It has moved out of the flock. Oh, by the way, and God's love for you is so great. You know what shepherds did? In that day when sheep wouldn't stay in. Because they just had that. I'm going out here and see what I can do. I don't like being confined. They saw his care as confinement. He knew a sheep would die without the watch care of the shepherd. You've heard of a lone wolf? He can make it. He needs others. But he can make it. But there's no such thing as a lone sheep. The hand doesn't say to the foot. You're not the foot, by the way. You could be the head and shoulders. Not, not that you're using head and shoulders. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. Can you say man? That sheep is going to get killed if it keeps getting out. First thing he would try is put a yoke on it. Take my yoke upon you. Don't ever see oxen pulling together. It's, there's a weak part to that. And it ain't Jesus. It's you. Taking my yoke, learn of me for what? I'm meek and lowly in spirit. His yoke was what? In the volume of the book it is written, I came to do thy will. Every time there was a conflict, not my will, thine be done. Not what my flesh would do, but what you tell me to do. Can you picture two bows for bow and arrows? tied together, pulled apart, and put on the the sheep. It goes up, tries to get out, and it can't because the yoke is there. 
It's God's will in my will. I choose God's will. It's God's way or my way. I choose God's way. You got to take that yoke. You got to bow to the Lordship of Jesus. But the day you do, you take his yoke upon you and learn of him. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. But there's an alternative to keep you safe. And I'd rather take the yoke. I'm going to tell you what the alternative is biblically. And I'm going to tell you historically and what's happening today in those ancient shepherd and sheep situations. That sheep that is so hard-headed, the shepherd goes out, tries to find it. It's a cast sheep. It would have died if he didn't come for it. It keeps going and going and going. It's going to take something. You know what he does? He goes over, puts something around the sheep's eyes, and breaks his front leg. Then he binds it up. Then in order for the sheep to eat, remember the pictures of Jesus with the little lamb? Well, he don't just carry little lambs. He carries biggins. Amen. That sheep with the, oh, he hurt, he hurt that sheep. No, he's keeping that sheep from being killed. He puts it over his shoulders, carries it to the pasture, lays it down in green pasture, lays it down beside still water so it can eat and drink, but it's totally dependent on him to do that. And at some point in that, there's a bond between that sheep and that shepherd. And that sheep says, you know, I can't live without him. I don't want to get out no more. <laughs> I want to stay close as I can to him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I, I don't want to get out. I don't want to go with the world. I don't want to do my thing. I don't want my flesh to rule. I want to get close and stay close to him. And when that that broken place heals because he bound it up. Guess what? There's a devotion to the shepherd that wasn't there before. And he don't have to break no more legs. He don't have to cause no more pain because the sheep has figured it out. If I stay close to the shepherd, ain't going to be no pain. Ain't going to be no danger. I'm dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. Can you say, man, I'm living under the shadow of his wing. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody give him praise. Would you please serve us Holy Communion? I do everything I can to shorten these services, but not this one. Not this one. Because God's going to do something in answer to this prayer. Because he told me to feed the flock, and if there's no flock, I can't feed anybody. Brother Taylor, you understand what I'm saying. If there's no flock, I can't feed them. Amen. So the Lord's getting ready to do something. That's why all the doors have been closed and nothing has opened. Because changing locations doesn't change people. There's not going to be a change in people. We should have stayed where we were. The reason we left is, Lord, send me to the hungry or send the hungry to me. 
because I have a charge from God to feed the flock of God. 